sit near the back on the right. A few pews ahead of us, a couple normally sits by one of the tall windows, but this time only one of them is sitting and the other, the other one is standing. And there is an announcement. Her cancer has gotten worse and it is too painful for her to sit. The service continues and there is a baby dedication, welcoming a new baby, a newborn into the congregation. The minister, Steve Philbrick, is holding the baby. He's wearing, a, he's wearing a suit, he's got short hair. You're not surprised to learn he was a baseball pitcher in college. Not surprised to learn he knows how to chop down a tree. He's even co-written a book for up-and-coming lumberjacks. But there he is, he's, he's holding the baby and he is held by the silence of the room. And he says to the baby, we are earth and you are water. We are what the world is made of. You are what it needs. When we meet mud, muddy water, thickening, loosening, even a little panic, until we settle, each within each. Another Sunday morning, a few weeks later, my friends and I again sit near the back on the right, a few rows ahead of us. It's just one man, just one person by himself. Others come and sit with him but his wife, his lover, has died. I join the men's group. It alternates among the homes of, of the men, eight or 10, sitting in a circle of chairs and maybe a couch, filling the living room. There's often a fire going on in the fireplace. After we each check in, the minister sometimes adds a few words to sum up the mood of the group. One night, he heard us speak a theme of courage, another time, hope. Just a few words from this minister, this, this poet drops us in and brings us together. This particular evening, his words are lost to me. What I remember is the man who lost his life. And I don't remember actually what he said. I only remember that he spoke simply, honestly, about the gap in his life and the gap in his heart. He spoke softly and not for long. 
You know, I love a poetic word. I love the craft of calling forth just the right word to turn the key that opens your spirit. And I love that that minister is a poet. But this night, through the plain words of a grieving person, I learned that straightforward honesty is at the heart of this church. Before I go on, I'll say if that story brought something up for you, I'd be glad to talk afterwards. I'm sure a lot of people would be glad to. I used to write long Facebook posts. I've deleted them all now, but if I just explain everything and use some beautiful imagery and a couple of jokes, my friends will become enlightened. They will change their minds. They will understand. Um, and what I've learned is I've usually, if they don't already agree with me, I've usually lost them within the first sentence. Um, so I'm going to share a game that I learned in improv comedy. Uh, some people call it 60, 30, 15, 5. You and your team improvise a story that goes on for a few minutes. Then you have to act out the same scene in only 60 seconds. Now you don't speed up to get through the content more quickly. Instead, you leave things out. You leave out the non-essentials. Since the original story is improvised, there's often a lot of haphazard things that you can just leave out. So getting down to 60 seconds is usually easy. But then you do it again in 30 seconds, then 15 seconds, and then five seconds. So suppose the original story is a story of a couple who gets in a fight. Some cruel words are exchanged. You hear some of the backstory. Their perspectives entangle. Just when it seems like they will go their separate ways, they soften, they find compassion for each other, and they make up. Takes three minutes of a story to get there. What is the essence of that story? How do you tell that story in five seconds? One person says, I hate you. The other person says, I hate you. They pause, they look each other in the eye, and in unison, in unison they both say, I love you, as the lights go down. I have an invitation for you to try. Think of someone in your life you want to say something to. Imagine you have their full attention for as long as you need. What do you want to say to this person? You can start thinking about that now, but maybe continue later today. So what do you want to say to this person? Imagine saying it all. We'll just take about 15 seconds right now. Imagine you could say it all to that person. There's more to be said, but now imagine getting to the heart of the matter more briefly this time. What do you want to say to them? In one sentence, what do you want to say to them? 
in two words. What do you want to say to them? You can also play this game with someone who has something to say to you. You can invite them to say as invite them to say as much as they want to say. Just listen. Just take it all in. It might be hard. Just take it all in. But don't reply to what they said. Just say, what do you really want to say? Then just listen. When they're done talking, what do you really want to say? Just listen. You might crack them open. There might be a lot that comes gushing out. Or they might let go of the drama and just hone in on their deepest need. After five iterations of this, they might simply say, I want a deeper connection with you. Or they might say, I need you to respect that. Marshall Rosenberg, the founder of Nonviolent Communication, teaches to say what you have to say in about 30 words. And then ask a question about the, how the other person is doing in the moment. You only get 30 words, then you pass the ball. You cut through the drama, say how you feel, say what you need, and then you ask, how does that land for you? Or what comes up for you when I say that? Or even, could you repeat back what you heard me say? No more long speeches, which I'm still working on. No more assuming that the other person understood you. No more making room for your perspective only. 30 words, then ask where the other person is at. Today we launch our pledge drive, and it is an opportunity to make a simple, clear statement of what you believe, what you support, where you find meaning, where you find hope. You might already have an elevator pitch for this church, and if you do, try setting it aside for now and just start fresh. And I'll have a go right now. I believe in awe and wonder about this universe we find ourselves in. I believe in the inherent worth and dignity of every person and every being. I value the individual, I value the group, and I value the interdependence of it all. I believe in freedom, and I believe in commitments, because meaning is found in both. I believe in thinking for yourself, and I believe in learning the perspectives of others, even when those perspectives are counterintuitive. I believe in having the confidence that you are acting with the best of intentions, and I believe in humility, because you don't know what you don't know, and you don't know your impact on others. I believe in pluralism. You don't have to believe the same things or do the same things or do the things in the same ways. And I also believe that we need some agreement and unity in order to coexist. I believe that my beliefs are in tension with each other. And I say beware those who do not think that their beliefs are in tension with each other. So that is well over 30 words. So I will pause there to say that I'm curious what came up for you from hearing that, and I would love an email or a conversation about it.
I'll try again in under 30 words. Nothing is more meaningful for me than sharing this wondrous life with people who respect difference and value truth, integrity, and compassion. I'll try again, a shorter sentence. Amidst it all, you do you, and we'll do us. Four words this time. The enlightened golden rule. Three words. I love you. I love a poetic turn of phrase, but sometimes what fills my soul and stirs my soul is the simple, plain truth. So as we launch our pledge drive, please rise and body your spirit and join me in singing.